Hello beautiful people and welcome to the very first episode ever of the Learning To Be podcast. This podcast has been a bit of a labour of love for me since the end of last year, the end of 2018 and it's taken me quite a long time to get to this point because I had a baby in December. Um, So that meant that my world was turned completely upside down in a way that I could never have imagined. I think I had these grand ideas of the first few months of parenthood, being at home, being able to putter around, work on my podcast, write some blog posts, but that really was not the case at all. (laughs) I was very naive. So finding the time to create this podcast hasn't been easy, but I've been determined to get these conversations out into the world and make this podcast a reality. And here it finally is. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Amy Holdy, a purposeful living coach and writer living in London. As a coach, I work with people to help them build a slower, more authentic and connected life. I talk a lot about this on my Instagram, so you can follow me there at Amy Holdy, and you can also visit my website, amyholdy.com. I've got some free resources that you can download there too. Um, All you need to do is pop your email address in on the homepage and they will be emailed directly to your inbox. To give you a bit of a taster of what I do in my work as a purposeful living coach, each week before we get into the episode, I'm going to share some food for thought. So this week, I want to talk about acknowledging the positive things that people say about you. Sounds very simple, but I think it's one of the things that actually we all seem to struggle with a lot. This was something that came up in most of the conversations that I had with my podcast guests, actually, um, but particularly during this episode. It's so easy to brush off compliments and praise from others because it makes us feel uncomfortable or embarrassed, but it's actually incredibly important that we really hear the things that they're saying and take it on board. I think that not being able to fully take on board the things we're good at and the positive light in which other people see us can begin to hold us back from the things we want to achieve. We can tell ourselves that we're not good enough, that we're not ready, but the point is that we have to believe in ourselves and start recognising our individual skills and talents because we all have them. So, on that note, why not set yourself a challenge? The next time someone pays you a compliment, however small, don't brush it off so quickly, but instead simply say thank you and sit with those words for a minute. You could also take a few minutes to write down a list of all the skills and qualities you have. I bet there are far more than you give yourself credit for. And finally, a quick word about the conversation you're about to hear with my incredible podcast guest, Maria. Maria is the founder of Calm Mother, which you'll hear more about shortly. Maria and I talk about how her business was born out of her determination to follow her heart rather than her head, something that I really admire and respect. This involved leaving a successful career in TV in her 30s and setting up her own business. Sound familiar? We discuss how Maria helps people to reframe birth in a positive way by empowering them to own their birth experience. We also talk about the change and awakening that occurs during and after birth. And Maria shares her own story around how this work is helping her to process and heal her own traumatic birth experience. Maria is witty, inspiring and passionate, which leaves me with no doubt that you're going to really enjoy listening to this episode. So, here it is. 
Today I am joined by the amazing Maria Bonobre, otherwise known as Calm Mother. Um, Maria is a woman with many, many skills and talents. Um, she is a trained hypnobirthing teacher. She is a postnatal doula, a Reiki healer and a life coach. As if one of those things on their own was not enough. Um, I met Maria recently when I did her conscious birth course, her three week conscious birth course, which was an incredible experience. And um, it's really about repositioning how we see birth and looking at it as a positive and empowering thing rather than, um, you know, succumbing to the mainstream narrative that it's scary and painful and it's something that is done to women. Um, so I really wanted to speak to Maria as part of the Learning to Be podcast um, because all of the work that she does is around really um, helping women grow into who they are um, and achieve success in whatever way that, that that looks like. And also as a business owner and a mother herself, um, I wanted to hear more about her own journey to where she is today. So thank you for being my Hello. first guest. That was a really lovely introduction. Um, I'm very excited to have you. Ah, I'm excited to be here. My Thank podcast. You. And um, yeah, I mean, me and Ollie loved your course. We thought it was brilliant. And we've got all our affirmations. We have. I was very proud when I saw those. Like, as if I'd handwritten them myself. I was very proud. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed the course. No, it was great. It was great. Um, so do you want to just explain to people who might not know a little bit more about hypnobirthing and maybe what being a doula is yeah as well yeah of like course. just for people who might not know so hypnobirthing is an antenatal course that really focuses on a really key things that are connected to birth um one is the physiology of birth so you really understand how your body works during labor and birth which is something that isn't really talked about by midwives or during your NCT course, which I find shocking. I always say to people, I shouldn't actually have a job. I feel like what I help people with or guide them towards is something that should be done in hospitals or as a society we should know more about. Um, but maybe women's health, it's kind of dropped down the list a little bit, you know. But so we learn about physiology and how the body works and that helps reframe birth for people. So it helps people understand how their bodies are working, so it kind of takes away the fear a little bit. I don't know if you found that, kind mm. of understanding what was going on in your body Definitely. at the time. Took away that what if, and is something horrendous happening? Definitely, you know? definitely. It also changes the language around birth, which I think there needs to be a lot of work with that, just generally, in hospitals, midwives, doctors, society. And there's been a, a really amazing... Um, sort of campaign recently and I can't remember who who started it but it's the it's the women that run the birth better campaign on Instagram yeah I know yeah, and yeah, yeah. they they did something about kind of changing the language and loads of midwives got in contact and they were all talking about how yes the language is really negative so hypnobirthing does that it changes the language we don't use words such as pain we don't use words such as contractions you know late baby's the wrong way around it's all shifted into a different sort of more positive language mm. to help you change the way you think about birth and it's also really important for hypnobirthing when you considering what goes on in our minds it's about slowing down your mind and really helping keep it calm and positive during labor and birth 
So adding in a bit of mindfulness, using the meditations, using positive language. Our minds, our neocortex at the front of our brains, when they're stimulated, that's kind of the worst thing that can happen for birth. So keeping that calm is really key in birth. Mm -hmm. And then finally, something that I'm really passionate about is helping people understand their choices. Yeah. Because the amount of people that come to me who know, know nothing about what their choices are, what their rights are, what different things can happen in labour and birth is quite shocking actually the mm. amount of people that are just like oh I didn't know I could do that I didn't know I could ask for that yeah the main thing is that you can say no yeah I don't want that yeah definitely. you have to be offered an alternative because yeah. you're not ill yeah it's not against the law it's you know you're right as a woman a human to birth how you want to birth and understand what the pros and cons are so Helping people feel empowered to ask the right questions. Mm. And it's mother and birth partner, yeah. it's not just mum. Yeah. So like with Ollie, you know, hopefully yeah. he's found that he's more empowered as well. He's got a role yeah. that he can play and it's a really important one yeah. actually. Yeah. A lot of men feel sh- kind of shoved into a corner. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. And do you think that, um, do you think birth is still seen by many people within society as something that is sort of done to you know like we talk about deliver oh I delivered this baby and do you think that that is something that yeah generally we're still it's still seen as something that happens to women with the support of other that they're out of control yeah that a woman doesn't own her birthing process Mm. a woman doesn't own yeah that the moment that she brings that baby into yeah. her life and she's carried she's carried and the miracle is that you've made the baby mm. you've created the baby birthing the baby is you know it's feared but it's the final stage of something that's way more complicated really mm-hmm. and i think as a society because um you know we don't live in villages anymore we don't live with our our communities we don't see other females in our community giving birth our sisters giving birth our aunties giving birth we don't watch the process mm. so we're removed from it so mm. we don't know what's happening so we've lost complete control with that i think yeah and i think as much as i love the nhs and i think our health system even though it's waning is incredible and we're lucky to have it it it's that is operating from a place of fear because yeah. it just wants to get the baby out quickly and safely. But it's risk not... risk yeah. analysis. And it then, is risk analysis, yeah. and you're not seen as an individual. You're seen under an umbrella of you know, okay, you're low risk. So these are the protocols that mm. we are going to take to in your labour. You are high risk, so we're going to take these you know yeah. precautions. It's like, well, what about the individual? What about the yeah. mum and the baby? Yeah. But they don't have time, and I get that. So that's why it's really important as individuals for women to take and birth partners to take that control back yeah yeah and empower themselves and do you think this whole thing around birth or delivery being mm. something that kind of happens to a woman that mm. is facilitated by a system or by mm. all these other experts is part of the reason that I hear I mean a lot of my friends and just you know through sort of speaking to other women I feel like there's a lot of guilt after birth Mm. for loads different reasons and do you think that that's part of it because women tend to feel that they've been completely disempowered through that process or like what's your experience yeah I mean that happened to me okay so I've got a very personal attachment to that and 
you know, I think as women, we are innately connected to our intuition, mm. more so than men, I believe. Mm -hmm. And whether we realise that or not. And when we go through birth, we're actually going through something quite spiritual. It's something quite miraculous that's happening. Yeah. And I think we do realise deep down somewhere inside that we can do it. And when it is taken away from us, that's when the guilt can can come in for sure. Like you feel you know as a woman that you are born to birth. Whether you're scared of it or not, you know that you are. Like your innate knowing is that. So when you fail at it, inverted commas, you know, you really feel guilty for that. When you're I don't know, it's kind of like when when you can't stand up for yourself as well. I think I, I'm quite attached to this, so it's quite an emotional response, I think, what I'm giving to, yeah, what's, to this. Yeah, so what is your, what's your personal so I, experience? Even though I hypnobirthed, what wasn't top of the list on the course that I did was the choices sort of element. Okay. Was the sort of understanding all the things that can happen in birth. Not all the things that can go wrong, just mm. all the directions that labour can take. Mm -hmm. And as much as you... What I like to teach is that to empower people so they've got as much control as possible. You can't actually control birth fully. No. It will take a direction and you just have to know what your choices are. And I did, there was a particular thing that happened to me where my waters broke mm -hmm. and I didn't go into established uh, labour as quickly as the hospital would have liked according to their protocol and mm -hmm. every hospital has a different protocol and I didn't know any of this. And my innate instinct was just stay at home your your surges are coming they're irregular but they're coming you know that you can do this you're managing it it feels good why go into hospital when they've asked you to but then there, there is a niggling thing that's like but they've said that it could cause an infection mm. so then you're taking on this responsibility of if something happens to my baby it's my fault mm -hmm. because they've given me an option so you got you know I went into hospital and actually the language that they used was horrifically scary and fear inducing your baby could die your baby could have lung problems your baby could have brain problems and I just thought what am I doing like and immediately the fear took over and I just lost control mm. and then as with any birth as soon as one intervention happens it's like a cascade which is what I like to teach with my birthing course to cascade because you're interrupting the flow of birth. Birth is a flow. It's a, it's like Mother Nature. It ebbs and flows, and it's got to have its rhythm, and you've got to be connected to it. As soon as something comes and interrupts it, you're kind of sort of letting go of that, and intervention is all that can happen, really. So I had a cascade of interventions, which led to a drip hormone induction, an epidural, two epidurals, um, forceps, and you know, episiotomy, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, what have I done? Why have I let this happen? You know, and I... God. So and you I, felt like it was your... You felt like guilt and it was your fault around it? I felt sad that I allowed somebody to make me feel that way. Right. So I'm like... A, I know that I'm a really strong person, but I allowed somebody to take that away from me with the language, and I took on their language and I allowed the fear to come in. But it's, you know, it's very intricate. It's not as black and white as that. It's, you know, yeah. would I go back and do anything differently? Maybe, but also the risk of infection is still there. But I've actually, through doing my training, understand that that risk of infection isn't as severe 
or as urgent as as it was made out to be. So that's why it's really important to understand all of your options. Yeah, exactly. So with that experience, so after what sounds like quite a traumatic birth experience where you just felt completely disempowered mm. and put into like a quite a negative state yeah. basically mm. how did you sort of work through accepting that that's what had happened and that actually you know it wasn't about you and it wasn't about you as a mother and takes a long time okay. because when you've had a baby as well you're actually going through a whole host of other things <laughs> yeah you know so yeah. that's like on top yeah so you know now that and i'm really pleased that they have they've coined this this period of early motherhood as matrescence much like adolescence where your hormones are completely shifting your brain's actually rewiring what you're going through is something huge and actually society doesn't accept it at the moment it doesn't realize that that's what the the huge shift that we're going through it doesn't really um take into account that that's what what happens when you become a mum so you, your your hormones are all over the place you know you you're trying to breastfeed and if that's a struggle which it was for me because my baby was tongue-tied and it was missed and blah 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 blah, blah. so it, it's on top of that and actually the way i processed it and i'm still processing it and i'm processing it by working with other women Right. I'm processing it by educating other women to help them not go through that process mm. and helping them to, if they've got their own birth trauma, work through it with the mm. coaching that I do. So that's why I also, Calm Mother, became what it is today because of what I went through. Okay. So before I had my baby, Calm Mother was the skeleton of what it is now mm. but it's been fleshed out through my experience mm. so I'm also grateful for what I've been through yeah I see because I wouldn't mean. be doing what I'm doing now yeah if that makes sense yeah. so the it's a long process mm. it's not just oh I think you know I do this and I think better about it or I release the trauma there's so many things there's therapy involved mm. there's acceptance self-acceptance yeah there's um educating others there's being open and speaking about it mm. I think a lot of mums don't talk about what they've been through because they're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. There's shame involved. There's a lot of shame involved when it comes to to birth. And even good birth, because people are embarrassed to talk about a good birth because it's the norm to talk about birth as if it's something horrific in society. You know, oh, it was so painful. Oh, it was shockingly bad. But So if someone's had a really lovely home birth, they don't want to talk about it. They're ashamed that they've had a good birth and all these other people have had traumatic births. So it's really complex, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's a really complex field. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so you touched on self-acceptance. In terms of, you know, where you are in your life and your work and your family and everything now, mm. what does self-acceptance mean to you? Um... Self-acceptance for me is not just accepting your good stuff, but also accepting your bad stuff. So it's like, for me, you know, for many people, it's hard to accept where we're good at things. So it's about having the ability to receive those compliments, to receive the, the acceptance that you've done an amazing job being a mum, you've done an amazing job building a business, that you're a good person, like seeing all the good things about yourself. But it's also about accepting your shadow side because that can also teach us so many things. 
So, you know, if you're angry or if you're a bit selfish or it's about accepting those parts of you because that's who you are. No one's perfect. I don't believe in perfection. Mm. People strive for perfection and it's just a wasted battle because no one's perfect. It doesn't exist. exist. (laughs) What does exist is that you're perfect the way you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's no other person in the world like you and there's no other person in the world like me. Yeah. So it's accepting every single part of you that that for yeah. me is what true self and do you because when i was introducing you at the beginning i noticed you were like cringing yeah. because because you know i was and that those are you know genuine words and but so i guess my question to you is do you accept those do you celebrate those positive things and those successes about yourself are you able to do that or does it still feel quite uncomfortable it feels really uncomfortable <laughs> if you haven't noticed <laughs> Why do we I'm feel trying why? to. Yeah. I'm trying to. Yeah. And actually, I think it's being a woman. Yeah. We find it hard to accept because, you know, over centuries we've been sort of subjugated and, you know, all of the good, miraculous, powerful things about us have been sort of toned down and we're told we're not good enough. So I think it's partly that. Um, I think it's partly, I don't know, just my personality. I don't. I do cringe, don't I? I was really cringing. (laughs) Uh, But on the inside, I can say those things to myself. And that's the important thing. I can receive that myself. Yeah. Receiving it from other people is the next step for me, I think. Yeah. Because sometimes maybe it can feel, society has, you know, made us feel that it's narcissistic or your, your ego's too big. But really, it's important for us to accept those good things about ourselves and to see other people's perspectives Mm. of us because it's I'm really happy that you feel like that about me really but I'm just a bit shy and accepting it but it's such a lovely thing to hear and it was a really lovely way of you know introducing me and I thought it was really lovely so thank you um but again saying thank you for things you know when someone pays you a compliment where did you oh that dress is amazing oh, i got it from primark and it cost me two pounds it's like no we, we do you. do that don't we yeah all the time oh it's just this this old thing yeah and it's do you rubbish think, does that mean also that we're not really hearing so because our maybe our innate instinct is to go to almost put ourselves down mm-hmm. as soon as we hear something positive or a compliment does that mean that we're not able to really hear even what mm-hmm. the person is saying? Yeah, definitely. Because if you can't accept it mm. as an, you know, words are energy. If you can't accept that energy, then you're not, you know, digesting that energy and hearing it and feeling it in your body and really taking it on board, if that makes sense. Yeah. If you're accepting something. So that's what I mean about receiving. And that's when we were talking off, you know, the recording about how women women's sort of pelvic area and their their womb area and their uterus that's where we receive things and that's where women hold a lot of their energy Mm. and I think that's why for me that's where I have imbalance so that's maybe where I need to open up and receive more without going too in detail and in depth but okay and how do you so you said that that's something you want to kind of focus on um you know being able to receive those things from other people like how do you feel like you what are the next steps in, in doing that for you? Or like, um, what does that look like? It looks like looking, and I was trying to do it with you, looking somebody in the eye when they're saying it and, and like nodding with it, you know, really accepting it, being present in that moment. It's also about giving it out to other people. Mm. So being able to see other people's 
greatness and see all the positives in other people can really help you see the stuff in you. Yeah. Um, saying it to yourself, mm. accepting it from yourself, and just saying thank you when someone does say it, you know. And and there's a nice technique that I try and use with clients sometimes is having like a, a jar or a bowl or something in the house and just writing down loads of positive things about yourself. Mm-hmm. You can do it, you know, loads at a time or if you, if and just putting it in the jar, writing on little bits of paper and if something happens on, on a day and, and you think, oh, that's a really lovely thing about myself, writing it down, putting it in. And when you're having a really shit day, just picking one out and reading it and then accepting it and going, actually, yeah, I am great because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a really nice reminder to ourselves to have a little jar of positivity or yeah. acceptance for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. But you can do it as well with just being grateful for your life. Like, I, I'm guilty, and I'm sure loads of people are guilty, of being really kind of like, oh, you know, this has happened, and oh, this is rubbish, and oh, I haven't got any clients this month. And we go into moan fest, don't like, we? Like, yeah. All like self-deprecation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's horrible. Yeah. And actually, if you st- stand back and go, hold on, I've got a beautiful sun, I've got food on the table, I've got warmth, I've got clothes, I've got a roof over mm. my head, I've got a wonderful loving partner, what the heck, I've got my health, Yeah. what, what am I moaning about? So yeah. even having something, a device like that for your life, all the positive things in your life, write them on bits mm. of paper, put them in your jar, and then when you've got a, a down moment, just picking one out and reading it is great. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, do you think... I, I completely agree with you in terms of this self-acceptance being like, right, well, what am I good at? What genuinely can I celebrate about myself? And then actually, what am I not so good at? And what mm. are my flaws? Because they're not anything to be ashamed of. And I think, like you said, particularly as women, like we do carry a lot of baggage around shame and mm-hmm. trying to fit ourselves into certain boxes that, to be honest, nobody fits into. You know, mm-hmm. these boxes created by probably some man somebody mm-hmm. somewhere you know mm-hmm. um but I wonder like do you think it is possible to completely accept ourselves as we are and do you think that that you know is yeah is, is a possibility I think in any given present moment mm. yes you can but I think we are constantly evolving yeah so you're always going to find something that you're going to question or you're going to go oh I'm not good enough for that and it's about constantly working through it because if we were fully self-accepting of ourselves then we'd be the Dalai Lama or something and I don't even think he fully <laughs> accepts himself but you know it's like that yes. idea of enlightenment you're never yes. fully enlightened yeah, yeah, yeah. there's always something to work on yeah life is that I believe that's what we're here for is to like work through our stuff yeah and with everything that you finally master there's always another stone that is turned that you know presents you with something else that you've got to work with yeah but I think in a given moment like this particular moment now I think yeah I can stand here and go I'm going to fully accept every single thing about myself now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what so what does your how do you feel about yourself now maybe compared to say 10 years ago hmm so I turned thirty-seven yesterday. Oh, yeah! Thank you. Yesterday. So twenty-seven. When I was twenty-seven, I was really beginning my sort of journey to who I am today. Okay. 
And I think... That often seems to be the age, doesn't well, it? Like late 27 20s. to 30 is where a woman grows the most. Really? Because that's when I, I went... Yeah. I had a very wild internal time going yeah. on at that period. Then before that, I was like partying loads. And this is a story that resonates with everybody. I was partying loads. Didn't really think about life in that way. You know, would cry about boys or get stressed about a job. Mm-hmm. But the fundamental kind of more profound things about life I never really thought about or questioned and then I hit 27 and I was more looking into that side of me understanding who I was and so the journey what was the original question so how do you feel about yourself now in compared to sort of like 10 years ago oh I feel I, I'm the essence of me is still the same yeah but I'm a completely different person so what do you mean um I know who I am more yeah I have explored lots of different and I think because of my the nature of my work I think you have to I think you can't be blind to who you are as a person if you're going to work with people in a coaching way or work with them in an empowering way you've got to really turn the mirror on yourself and look at who you are so I feel like I've and I'm still working on it I feel like I've explored myself as deeply as I possibly can for this moment in time Mm. I feel like obviously I've become a mother I've created my own business and, you know, becoming a mother is a huge spiritual shift and you really learn so much about yourself. Um, Starting your own business is the same thing because you're, especially if it's a business where you're kind of forward, outward facing and you're the business, you have to then battle with, okay, this is what people are going to see. Yeah. This is, my business is me. Yeah. What am I prepared to show it's very, people? It's, it's a very vulnerable space, Huge, isn't it? yeah. Okay. Hugely vulnerable. Do you think... So when did you start trying to... Or when did you start building your own business? How old were you at that point? Probably 31, 32. Okay. So I'm 37, so six years ago, yeah. So how did you feel at that point when you started to be like, okay, I'm going to have to be quite vulnerable to create this business and put myself out there compared to sort of now? It's taken me this amount of time. Right. So I only really, maybe in the last... So I think having a baby, I'm going to take that period out because that is that period where I just had a baby and I was in the early throes of motherhood is a completely separate time to, to, to in my life, I think. That is, I would have to take that out. But maybe the last year 18 months two years has been when I've really kind of been okay in my skin Mm. to be who I am okay and talk the way I talk and be open about my feelings Uh and really put across my opinion yeah um in an accepting way but before that in the the sort of years previous it was like I was tiptoeing into it okay and I was trying things out testing the water a little bit testing the water pulling back okay using these words pulling back you know because I'm very and I hate the word spiritual but only because of the connotations that people have with it and it's not at all a religious thing for me it's about really connecting to your intuition Mm. and which is what I do with my Reiki and having the confidence to talk about that because that is a really taboo subject well it was when I first started doing it I remember you saying about this that you just didn't feel like people understood it or so talk, talk no. a bit more about that. And I still like... think some people, there's a section of society that really don't get it. Uh-huh. However, it's become a little bit trendy in a different part of society. You know, it's like, oh, 
crystals and you know incense and it's this kind of very middle class white girl world that is like cool trendy but that's not what it was when I first sure, got into yeah, it yeah, and yeah. it and it and it was I was putting myself out there to say that I was into this kind of stuff and people would look at me a bit like I would wear crystals in my bra at yeah. work as a TV director and <laughs> it would fall out <laughs> on the floor and I'd be like oh and the cameraman they were would look at me. Chicken Phillip, yeah. but actually, instead, yeah, it was like just a inc- rock. <laughs> and I, and I'd be like, "Cool, that's just my rose quartz that I carry in my bra for love and harmony and connecting to my heart." And they'd be like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, that's." How did that make you feel, though? Because I, I'm really interested also in your, in your career in TV, um, purely because I, I, I sort of, I mean, not TV, but I come from like a marketing comms mm. background, and I felt like it really damaged it was very damaging actually to my sense of identity and do you really think who that? I I feel like it was so sort of I felt like it was quite oppressive I know that's a very strong word to yeah use, but I felt like I really had to like oppress certain parts of my personality so I just wonder like what do you think about that in terms of that industry and like when you did drop your crystal on the floor what when you had to explain it and it was like what the hell I don't get it was, did that make you feel small or did, were you just like whatevs like I think I got to the point where I was like whatevs yeah and I remember being like you're all going to be carrying crystals in your bra soon and <laughs> which so is don't come I bet they all are now me. yeah don't yeah. come running to me when you want yeah. to talk about crystals yeah 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 um I think tv it it's a very creative industry so kind of people are very extrovert okay and um it's a funny it's a funny world it's like you have to you have to really create a th- you have to have a thick skin to work in tv because you're you're freelance and i hate this saying but you're only ever as good as your last job which is bollocks in my opinion um so you're your biggest cheerleader you know in order to get a promotion or to get this job that you really want you've really got to fight your battle and back yourself up no one else is going to do it for you like everyone's got their own agenda because you're freelance even people that are above you especially women feel threatened by up-and-coming young sprightly women in telly and a lot of a lot of the time you know there were there were some awful men but a lot of the time the problems that I had could be mainly from women really because they were threatened by other women or because you can express your identity and tell you you can be who you are i i feel i was very much me and i don't okay. know if that's me yeah um but i feel like it allows because it's quite creative it yeah. probably allows it that. was almost celebrated a bit more because it's like oh you're yeah. a bit kooky or yeah so it would go the other way sometimes and you'd be like raising your eyebrows <laughs> at people kind of like oh, really what? which is probably what people did with me <laughs> yeah. with my crystals you know so it's fine yeah but um so I do feel like it's probably quite an open world in that yeah aspect. that makes sense but I do think you have to be a really strong character mm. to be able to survive and, ex- and excel mm-hmm. and I think you've got to really uh, I found problems with it I just sort of fell out of love with it mm. and I don't believe there's one career for everybody mm. in their lifetime. I think you, because you evolve and change, obviously your wants and don't wants change, your likes and dislikes change, like everything changes. So 
I think I just came to, I got what I wanted and needed out of it. You, I grew as much as I could grow in that career and then I needed to depart really and change. And it just took time for me to leave just because it's, it's one of those things that's difficult to start your own business. Yeah. Um, but I think it me- has made me who I am. Mm. It made me strong enough to go out and start my own business because essentially I was self-employed and backing myself anyway in that role, in that world. It wasn't a full-time job. You'd have a job for three months and then your contract would end and you'd have to get more work. So, yeah, I think it was good for me. Mm. But it was also... It made me see... You know, it wasn't as wholesome as I would have liked. It wasn't as... It didn't celebrate people as much as I would have Mm. liked. So that's why it's... My job now is I really love it because it's so positive and it helps people and it's empowering and it's supportive which kind of it wasn't when I was in telly. Yeah, it's more of that cutthroat. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, an, it's an industry, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Um, and what did that transition look like for you? Because you, I know we've spoken before about you sort of slowly, like, um, you know, you built up your client base and kind of... Yeah, dropped down yeah. the TV work. So what did that look... And also what made, what led you to be like, I just, this is the direction that I want to go, like, um so as I said when I sort of hit 27 I started to explore myself a bit more and as with every sort of like awakening you sort of have a moment where you're kind of that rock bottom definitely and so I was I felt that I was in this and it was it was a relationship where I felt like I totally lost my power and post relationship friends were say were saying to me god we didn't know who you were in this relationship you completely changed like and I was like, why didn't you bloody tell me? Like, what? Anyway, so this it was a horrific relationship that I've learned a lot from, so it's not that horrific. But, but at it, the time, it got it me was, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, start to need to build my life back up again. And in the rebuilding of that, I started, I had Reiki. I was having kind of more um, holistic therapy sessions, such as Reiki energy healing, or I was going to meditation. And I was exploring that kind of more spiritual side. And when I had Reiki, I was like blown away by it. And something just called to me to sort of learn how to to do it. So I was attuned in it. And that was a huge... When you're attuned to Reiki, something completely shifts in your body. And what does that mean? To be attuned. Yeah. It's basically where... So if you you think everything in the world that is living is an energy. And, you know, you're an energy, I'm an energy. um, Food is an energy. Plants are an energy. Animals are an energy. Einstein says you cannot create or destroy energy, so it just shifts around. Uh-huh. So now we're exchanging energy. We are our words are energy. Just our physical presence is an energy. When you walk into a room, and it feels a certain way, yeah, you're picking up on an energy. Yeah, animals, animal instinct is more based on that kind of yeah um, kinesthetic exchange of energy. Because we're humans and we use our brains, like we don't connect to those senses in the same way if that we've kind of lost touch with that yeah 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 um so you know animals will have an instinct yeah we have that instinct it's just sort of died down so attuning to reiki is kind of turning the tap on that energy right. and turning and really the tap on that in to like those... and receiving it being yeah, able yeah, to receive yeah. energy and use that energy in a positive way yeah um so yeah you're kind of the attunement is about you opening up your senses to yeah. receiving energy. And that again is about being vulnerable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
So when you were going through these different, you were experimenting, I guess, with these different like healing practices. Yeah. That one just really, really clicked with you and you kind of... Yeah, and it really like just, there was a specific session where I just felt like a shift afterwards. Really? And I was like, God, that's really powerful. Wow. And... I can't explain how. That's amazing. Yeah. So, but um, like, did you feel like almost like a release? Or... Yeah. Really. Yeah. A huge release and just a huge shift. Like, I can't explain it in more detail than that. Really, that's what's difficult about Reiki. Yeah. You can't really explain it. You've got to sort of experience it. Yeah. But the idea of it is that you, you know, once you've been attuned to it, you can then sort of tune into other people's mm. energy if they allow you to, which is if they come to a session, that's what they're yeah. doing. Tune into someone's energy and just use your energy to shift, fill blockages in theirs and shift it. Mm. The idea is that every illness is actually, um, the precursor to that is blocked energy in your body. Yeah. And um, the precursor to that is actually an emotion. Yeah, which is block, which then block, shuts you down in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. because emotion is energy in motion. Yeah. So every emotion you feel will travel in your body yeah. and it will go somewhere and it will get stuck or it will be released or so yeah that's how it that's how reiki works yeah well that makes a lot of sense mm. to be honest so you went through this kind of yeah this this period in your life i guess where you were learning a lot more about yourself in a different mm-hmm. way and seeing mm-hmm. yourself in a different way and do you remember when you were just like this is the direction that I want to... Yeah. Was there, like, a natural moment or was it kind of a series of... I don't know if there was a specific, like, aha moment. Yeah. <laughs> there never really is. I can't there. really remember. My mem- <laughs> That's what happens when you become a mum. Because your brain rewires, your short-term memory, it just... I, and it, that's long-term memory, but that's shocking as well. I can't really remember. Um, that might have been this on the milestone that before. was just... Yeah. Um, I think it was more gradual and a yeah. series of things. So everything that I learned, I just read loads and I did loads and I had loads of yeah, sessions yeah. myself and then I tuned to Reiki and it was just step by step by step. Um, and I just remember being, it took me maybe five years to leave telly. But the moment I, I was like, I'm leaving, I would tell everyone, this is my last job, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm going to be a Reiki healer. And literally people were like, of course she is, the woman with the crystals, of course she's going to be a Reiki healer. <laughs> And then I'd come back for another job because, like, obviously I couldn't sustain. You know, you can't just build a yeah, business like that. No. And they'd be like, why are you... I thought you were quitting telly. Yeah, I am quitting telly, but I'm still here for the moment. You yeah. know, and it was a gradual process. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, how did you... How did you speak about setting up your own business at that time? Like, I'm just interested because... Obviously, that's a big part of your identity and who you are. Mm. And I've had some really interesting conversations with people when I've said, well, you know, I'm I'm starting my own business as a coach. And just, like, either them wanting to tell me mm. how I should do that or, like, you know, give me some sort of words of wisdom that are completely irrelevant to what I'm doing. But, like, how did you sort of... How did you speak about your business at that time and how did you feel like it was other people reacted to it? That's interesting because I think the response I got was different. The right. response I got was like, what? <laughs> like, really so maybe that was really? better because they just didn't ask you. Any- they were just like, right, shut down. <laughs> yeah, they were just a bit like... Didn't get it. Yeah, didn't get it. And um, I think a lot of people, I think as well, the TV industry, it's like, if you're in it, you're kind of quite lucky to be in it because okay. it's very hard to break. And 
you're sort of people once they're in it unless they're like more established like I was and a lot of my friends now who are still in it are kind of like we're done but we need to get out but we don't know how and it's quite difficult but at the time because I was quite young and I and I was sort of people that I was surrounded by were still loving it they were a bit like why would you want to leave telly okay so you just didn't understand your choice no and then not only that it wasn't like I was leaving telly to become a lawyer something that people understood I was leaving telly to become a Reiki healer slash life coach. That takes a lot of confidence, though, to stand by what you believe in and what you feel. It's yeah. Just, you know, that's really being true to who you are. Yeah, which is something I've always been. Okay. So it's funny, because like, <laughs> I would say, before I had inklings of leaving telly, friends that I'm really close with now who I met in telly, I, they they recite to me things that I would say to them, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. But one of them's always like, I'm real. Like, I'm like, why can't people just be real? Why can't people just be honest with themselves about who they are and what they want? And I've always found that frustrating. And we talked about this before, but, like, I come from a Mediterranean background where people just say what's on their mind and what's in their heart. Yeah. And I find myself sometimes surrounded by people who don't. Mm. That British. That British thing, wherever they're too polite or shy to say how they feel, if it's because they don't want to go against the grain. Mm -hmm. Or they don't even know because they're not connected to yeah, what they exactly. feel, or you know. But so that's something I've always been. I've yeah. always known my mind, and my son's the same. He's not even eighteen months yet, and people at nursery are like, he knows what he wants, <laughs> and that comes to. And I know that comes to yeah, me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I've always known what I've wanted. That's quite incredible, actually, um, because I think that is th- that's the biggest thing that people struggle with, isn't mm. it? It's like you said. It's either not giving yourself a chance to actually listen and tune in to, well, what do I want? Mm. Or it's that, I don't know, people just don't care. People look for answers outside themselves. That's it. Yeah. That's the problem. And that's why when I started my business, that's what I focused on was Mm. empowering women to connect to who they are, Mm. not listen to outside sources and have the faith in themselves to go and get what they wanted to Mm. go and get. And people are too bothered about other people's opinions. Mm. They're too bothered about keeping up appearances or being a certain way or following a trend, you know. And, and really, and as we, we touched upon it earlier, no one is like you and no one is like me in the whole world. So, and no one is like anybody else. So why not celebrate all that that you have to give because no one else can give that? Yeah, yeah. And I just, I, I it's sad that, that isn't the norm. Yeah. Really. And do it you, needs to start with children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It needs yeah. to start with children. And do you think, so obviously a lot of your work is, you know, it's, well, all of your work is with women. Mm-hmm. Do you see that as like a very female trait, that maybe that self-doubt, that self-comparison thing? Is that is that something that comes up a lot when you work with your clients? Or It comes up a lot when I work with my clients, but I don't think it's a feminine thing. Okay. Because I have worked with men. Yeah. And I've got a lot of male friends and uh-huh. acquaintances. And I just think men aren't used to talking about it. Right, yeah. But I think there is all of that with men. Mm. And I think men need an outlet as well. Yeah. And, you know, I have worked with men. And I I enjoy it. And I, But I feel like my strengths are working with women. I've just got a passion with working with women. But I think... And I think men need to work with men. Mm. You know, I'm not a man. So I can't relate. And I can't... Um, you know, they they can't connect with me in the same way. I just think there needs to be more role models, strong male, independent role models for other men. 
Yeah. Because I do think it's the same. I think I think they too feel that they're not good enough and that they're and but it's for different reasons. Yeah. As much as society has put pressure on women to be a certain way and put them in boxes and take away some of their power, the same has happened to men. Mm. Which is why I say I'm not a feminist in that respect. Like I am a feminist, but I also understand that men have their own pressures and their own worries that aren't seen to. Like the rate of of um suicide in men is incredibly high Mm. they can't you know they feel like they can't talk about their problems they've got you know i'm really careful with my son like i don't say don't cry i was gonna ask you're brave you're strong yeah how are you sort of trying because it is a concern isn't it that it's how we're brought up isn't it women are seen as feminine and dainty and you know and sensitive and men have to be strong and brave and don't cry and go and provide for your family otherwise you're not a real man or do some DIY because you're not a real man <laughs> but do you know what I yeah. mean like I, I at uni yeah. I like as a child I would associate myself as being more of a tomboy mm-hmm. so I used to help my dad with like DIY and stuff and at uni I remember people not being able to change a light bulb and I blew my mind so I'd like change the light bulb and they were like oh it's handyman Maria and I was like really like what is this like you know so yeah men have to do DIY otherwise they're not real men yeah. like my boyfriend feels shit about himself if he can't put up a picture properly <laughs> So, I mean, I'm laughing, but it is really sad, isn't it? But it's true, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and it is true. That we're, in the, we're put in these boxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think kind of the younger generations that are coming through, you know, with this kind of more of a gender-fluid attitude. Yeah, yeah. I understand why, because with those boundaries need to be sort of broken down. We're, so, and we're both so much more than what we're allowed yeah. We all have masculine and feminine energy yeah. as well. So I talk about this feminine energy that needs to arise in women. It also needs to arise in men. Mm. We need to we need to balance both our masculine and feminine feminine energy in in all of us yeah. in order to work properly, in order to function properly as humans. And are you so are you very conscious with your little boy yeah. about how you nurture that within him? Yes. How do you do that? I mean, he's only like 17 months But still, at the it's all, you know... Oh, and it's... I say only, one to five or one to three is the most... Nought to three is the most important. I'm also... Like, I want to sort of expand my business and go more into conscious parenting because it's something that I'm really passionate about. Okay. Which is the idea that when children are born... And I've said this in my conscious birth course, babies are conscious of what's going on in birth. They help you. Yeah during birth that's something actually that i really took away from that it's it's, it's the two of the you. two of your yeah, birthing yeah, yeah. that your baby when you you know if you're ill now your baby will release stuff into your system for you to create stem cells for you to 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 heal yourself your baby's healing you if you're not well so they're innate conscious intelligent beings but when they're born, suddenly we treat them like they're these things that can't see or hear or understand. They can understand everything. They just cannot communicate. Mm. So I try, I talk to my child as if he, well, like he understands everything because he does. And he, you know, he does understand. If he can't, even if he can't respond to me with words, he responds to me in other ways. And I know that he's taken on board what I've said. Mm. Um, so I, I tried to make sure not to say, you know, don't cry. It's so, you know, if he falls over, I'm like, oh, you've hurt yourself. Does it hurt? I'm so sorry. You know, like I try and help him express himself. Men haven't been allowed to express themselves. Mm-hmm. So all of this emotion has been plugged up and it's then kind of stuck. I mean, talking about 
you know, energy blocks. Like, there yeah. must be... Exactly. 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 So do, you don't really work with many men in your Reiki healing either. No. Okay. I think I just no. I don't know whether less men are into it. Yeah, and I think unfortunately, I think that is possibly the case, isn't it? But less men extent. go for massages. Yeah, less yeah, yeah, men, yeah. Go, you know, do things that are nurturing yeah. healing. I suppose. I don't know if that's a huge generalisation. It might be. There are obviously men that go to yoga and yeah. go to the gym. And I but think that's only. Re- I feel like that's only in the last couple of yeah. years that that started to shift a bit more. You know, mm. there's. I, I suppose it's funny, isn't it? Like the circles that you move in, or the books that you read, or the people that you follow, it it's, becomes your what you see the world. As, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the people that I follow, or the world that I'm in, the men are more yogi yeah <laughs> but you're like is that representative yeah. it's not representative yeah 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 it? so yeah you know, in general i think men are much more uh emotionally stunted mm. because of their upbringing yeah 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 but back to your original question yes women do feel as though they're not good enough mm. and are there common themes that you so you know when you start working with a woman it's like you want, I guess, her to be able to accept, as you were talking about earlier, like all parts of herself mm-hmm. and then to be like, well, what does success or what does happiness look like mm-hmm. for me and how, how can I get there? Do you see like patterns of like certain issues, like fears and things that, that do come up um, with women? There's obviously everybody's different. Yeah. So there's like, look, it's very individual. Yeah. But in general mothers that I work with there's a lot of guilt involved Mm. with with mothers in whatever sense like if they go to work they're guilty if they don't go to work they're guilty whatever they do they feel guilty so um there's that um with women that aren't mothers and it's career based Mm -hmm. it's very much kind of having a voice to be able to be who they are in that world or push themselves, you know, that like that they're not good enough to get what they want. Yeah. Um, but mainly, if I kind of work backwards and work back to the sort of base issue, it's that they're not connected to the who they are. Mm. So they don't trust their judgment. They're not connected to their intuition. Yeah. And so, therefore, they're not making decisions that are based on what they really want or who yeah. they really are. And even though, you know, I feel guilt sometimes... But, and I'm not saying I'm like the most advanced person in the world, but because I've worked through my issues and I've worked because of what I do, I've worked through a lot of stuff, I understand that connecting to me and my intuition is really important. When I do feel guilty, I just connect back to myself and just go, hold on a minute, is it acceptable for me to feel guilty here? No, it's not. You know, I've got that sort of knowledge to be able to, to do that, whereas because women aren't connecting to themselves on a daily basis, they're not connecting to their intuition. But as women, we're connected, we are Mother Earth personified, okay? We we create and we give birth, we ebb and flow like Mother Earth. We we are really powerful. Mm. And I'm not embarrassed to say that. As women, we are hugely powerful and we don't accept that as Mm. a society Mm. and as individuals. Mm. So that's why I find it, that's why my job is about empowering women at yeah. any stage of their life. Yeah. Motherhood, pre-motherhood, whatever. Because I think that's really important. And what does that 
when you meet somebody for the first time and say that they they're not in a good space you know mm. they do they're just really you know hating on themselves for mm. whatever reason what are the first steps that you take with them to sort of start them thinking differently or moving them in a more positive direction I get them to express themselves first right. and foremost and do you think that people find that bit even really really hard yeah and cathartic though as well yeah. just feeling heard so I like to create a space where they feel safe, not judged, yeah. and just be able to... Ex- because how often do you talk out loud what you've got going on inside of you, whether that be to yourself or to somebody who's listening? Mm. And like you said about your work situ, mm. even if people are listening, they're quick to offer their advice <laughs> or their perspective. Yeah. So it's about allowing them to express themselves and search around for the words and their feelings and express themselves in a space that's non-judgmental. Mm. And I'm not going to tell them what to do or how they should feel. I just allow them to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And just by doing that, they're exploring things they never knew they felt. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So that's the first thing that I yeah. do. Okay. And then I like them to sort of, it depends, it's case by case, but yeah. explore in their body where they feel things. Yeah, because we never really, that's not, like you said earlier about your brain sort of taking over from your intuition. It's like, that's something we're generally quite detached from, isn't it? It's Mm. like, we're always going into logic mode and like, okay, well, what is rational and what should I do? But Mm. it's like, actually, what do you feel in your body is really Mm. powerful, isn't it? Because we do hold so much tension and pain physically. Yes. And that's why birth, that's why with birth, that's why everything I do is really connected. Right. With birth, it's about coming out of your mind and getting into your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the mind is going to, the only thing that hinders birth is your mind. Yeah. Essentially. So you've got to step away from it. Um, But yeah, getting into your body and feeling where you feel things. And feeling feelings. People don't feel feelings. Mm. They're afraid of feeling how they feel because they don't want to feel sad because it's negative. Yeah. They don't want to cry because it's negative. No, it's an emotion that you need to feel, and and when you feel it, you release it. Yeah. And when you release it, you get rid of it in your body, and you can move on. Yeah. So I think society has an issue, British societies particularly, that stiff upper lip of not conveying how they really feel mm. or expressing emotion is quite detrimental. Yeah, yeah. And do you still feel like you have to tell yourself that sometimes? Always. like? I can feel this yeah. and, and I'm allowed to. Don't be to. hard on yourself. Yeah. yeah. Which is part of self-acceptance. Yeah. It's like, actually, I've been a cow today. I'm just going to allow it. And I shouldn't <laughs> have done it. Yeah. And I shouldn't have spoken to that person in that way. But I did. So mm. what's the point in now beating myself up about it? Nothing, because it's happened and you can't change what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's self-acceptance is also about just letting go of stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm really interested to, like hear about how you like on a daily basis navigate all these different identities that you have as like a business owner as a mother as a partner like how what does that look and feel like for you it's all intertwined yeah of course because it's you because it's me yeah and that's what I actually really I think enjoy about my job because it doesn't feel like a job yeah and I really love that and I feel like I'm just being yeah real like you know I would say yeah back in the day I'm just being me and yeah. I'm love it because I'm inspiring people hopefully and helping people and 
even if it's one tiny thing that I say that sticks with somebody and makes them, I'm not going to change the world. I know that might do one step at a time, but even one tiny thing is important for me. So because I'm just being me, I am that with my son. I am that with my partner. I am that with my friends. I have to remind myself to have fun sometimes. Okay. And just give it a rest on the work because everything I, because I'm so passionate about what I do, mm. everything I read is connected to it mm. because it's also what I'm living. My job is what I'm living in that, like the journey that I'm going through is feeding my work. I'm just a little bit ahead of it. So yeah. everything that I learn in my private life, I'm feeding back into my work. That's, that, I mean, that, like you said, that is you being you then. So that's why it doesn't feel like a job. But that can also, I imagine, be a lot at times like say you're going through something specific in your relationship with your son or your partner or whatever and it's like you're taking that learning and you're putting it back into your your business and your work but it's all consuming isn't it I guess that can be and I'm intent like I'm a Scorpio so I'm pretty intense anyway yeah um which is why I need to remind myself to have fun Uh uh-huh but I also think I'm just interested in people yeah and that's why I work with people and I find relationships and uh, the way people interact with each other and themselves fascinating. Mm-hmm. So that's why when I'm going through something, and this might sound weird. Go on. But even though like if I'm going through something hard and I'm working through an emotion that I'm finding really difficult, there's a little part of me that enjoys it because I'm like, know that I'm getting to the bottom of something. Yeah, definitely. And I know that I'm yeah. like working through it. Yeah. And there's going to be an aha moment and I can then pass that on. And a release at the end And a release, it. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely relate to that. Completely. So I love feeling those feelings. You know, talking about people not feeling their feelings, I love feeling those feelings. And I, I want my son to be able to express himself and feel his feelings. My boyfriend gets really annoyed with me because I'm like, how do you feel? <laughs> no, I feel like you're feeling like this. He's like, no, I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> Like, no, but I can tell. I can feel your energy. Yeah, you can always go back to and that. And he's like, "Oh, for God's sake!" You know, and so, crystal just falling yeah, out the ground. Yeah, Clang. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Look, I know you think you know me deeper than I know myself, but I'm actually fine." <laughs> but like, I love feeling feelings. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah, also yeah. have to respect that other people might not. And I've got to, as as intense as I am with yeah. that process. When I work with clients, I've got to really let them work in their own uh speed at their own speed yeah okay okay and um yeah just a couple of last things like we were talking earlier about um you know that that voice in the back of your head being like well you should be doing this you should be doing that with your with your business yeah how do you like manage that or do you just think i'm human that's what happens like i'll get to it or um I write countless lists okay. of things that I need to do. So my like notes in my phone is ridiculous. <laughs> what is There's things that I haven't done from like 2011 or something probably in there. But I'll just write getting it out of my head and down onto paper or onto my phone. And then even if I just do one of those things, yeah, I feel better. Yeah. As small as it might be. But I know that if I force myself to do things that I'm not feeling doing that I want to do is more detrimental definitely so like if I'm like oh I haven't I need to do a content plan so I could because I'm really bad at writing blogs and 
um, uploading stuff onto Instagram and just having a presence so on social media, which I know is what you need to do to have a successful business in this day and age. But because I'm quite bad at it, I can be a bit of a cow to myself about that. Mm. But as long as I do one tiny thing, then I can kind of really release, take yeah. off the pedal a little bit. Yeah. But also I think it's really, it's quite a difficult thing to balance because... Like, I'm feeling like that at the moment. I'm like, right, well, I need to get something out each week and this is what I need to do. But also, I don't really... I've kind of done a bit of a content plan, but I also don't want to just have to stick to that because I also want to be like, what do I feel like writing about? That's so how it's I like, am. you know, mm. this week an idea might just suddenly pop into my head and I'm like, no, that's what I really feel like mm. I can write about. And when it's... When your business is you and when it's creative, I don't think you can... I would struggle to do it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also people will feel that. You know, they will be like, well, that's not really... I just can't connect with you through that content because it's not... Yeah, it has to be authentic. Yeah. And how you're feeling it in that moment. Yeah. Which is why I don't produce a lot of stuff because I'm really busy with clients on the day-to-day or with my son or, you know, cleaning the house, whatever. So it's hard I've got I know I've got to make time to connect to what I want to talk about that mm. day um and I think maybe I should make it part so I I, I meditate every day mm. I try and set aside time in the day where I have minimum 20 minutes to myself yeah. where I can just connect and maybe I should just allow a bit of time in that space to just go what would I like to talk about today or and even if it's a note share? on your phone and then you yeah. do something later with it yeah, yeah. But it's about setting, and at the moment I'm not really setting aside any time for it, but I know that I need to. But it's hard, it's yeah. hard. Because also when you run your own business, especially when it's small, you're the marketing person, yeah. you're the receptionist, you're the person doing your actual job, you're the person, you know, the amount of time that I actually do the actual job that I'm trained to do that I love doing, in and around building a website and everything, is much. it's quite small, really. And until you've got the resources, until you're big enough to be able to afford to employ somebody to do your marketing or employ somebody to, you know, do other bits for you, it's a lot that you take on. So be easy on yourself. Yeah, definitely. Because it's amazing that you've even thought of a business that you want to do. Yeah, and that you're actually living that dream and that idea in reality. And, I mean, do do you sort of manage that by being quite, trying to be quite structured or in your week? So I have days that I work and days that I don't. So yeah. days that my son's in nursery. The days that my son isn't in nursery, during his nap time, I either shower, eat, <laughs> meditate. Yeah. And if there's a little bit of time, I'll do a bit of work. But generally, I'm quite easy on myself on mm. those days. And by the time it gets to night time, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm shattered by, I'm asleep by nine o'clock yeah. most nights. But in the days that I'm working, I am structured in that I'll have clients for part of the day. And then I'll set aside some time to, to reply to emails or... But because it's your own business, you'll find yourself at six in the morning replying to emails just because yeah. it's on your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the I am working all the time, mm. really, because my mind is always in work mode. Because as I've said, I yeah. live my work, which probably isn't that healthy. But at the moment, that's how I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And my final question to you is what would you say to your younger self like what advice or just words of wisdom or reassuring what would you say that's a good question 
It's a hard one. It's a hard one. It's actually quite a lot, but what's the most important thing, I think, would be that I think that my message always is there is no one in the world like you. Go and do whatever it is you want to do because you're good enough to do it. And don't doubt yourself. Just do it. Yeah. And you are. Yeah. You are doing Aww. it. <laughs> That's nice, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. How amazing is that woman? I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. You can find all of the information about how to find Maria and where to follow her in the podcast notes. And on another note, I would love to hear your own personal stories of self-discovery and what that looks and feels like for you. So you can email those to me, hello at amyholdy.com. Again, I'll pop that in the podcast notes. And that's it for this week. Please join me next week for another real and inspiring conversation about learning to be. Mm -hmm.